Hey, uh, we're doing a series that's called Beyond, and um, I'm gonna. What I'll do today is a lot of just kind of will be in, reinforcing what Chris has talked about the last two weeks, and it lines up a lot with what we'll do today. And I don't know if you remember, but last week, um, Chris said something near the end of his message, and I just want to start with that today. And it's kind of this good news, bad news deal, right? And the, the bad news, and this is shown in all of the Barna research and in all the Pew Foundation stuff, is that less and less people are going to church. There's less interest in going to church, especially younger generations. And the percentages are going way, way, way down. But the good news is that people are as spiritual as ever. That people believe in God, wanna know God, think that they can know God. And so the question for us today is, how do we, if if attendance and interest in church is going down, but interest in God is going up, how do we actually share this message? And it's that we get beyond ourselves. We get beyond the walls of this church. And that's what I'm gonna talk about today, is how do we do that? If you have a Bible, you can follow along. We're going to be in Acts chapter 8, uh, starting at verse 4. And it's, a, it's an incredible, incredible event and encounter that happens with uh, a man named Philip. And this is Philip who is not one of the disciples, okay? There was a disciple named Philip. This Philip that we're looking at today is actually one of the seven who was uh, recruited in Acts chapter 6 along with Stephen to be one of those that helped feed the widows in Jerusalem. So that's who this Philip is. It's said of those men that they were wise and were filled with the Holy Spirit, and that is who Philip is. Philip was one that was with Stephen. You might remember that Stephen was one of the first martyrs in the church. And when he's martyred, that started this persecution in Jerusalem. And that's where we'll kind of pick this up in Acts chapter 8, verse 4. It says this, those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Christ there. When the crowds heard Philip and saw the miraculous signs he did, they all paid close attention to what he said. With shrieks, evil spirits came out of many, and many paralytics and cripples were healed. So there was great joy in that city. Here's one of the truths of the, of the Christian history is that persecution actually brings about sort of this revival that happens. It was the persecution that happened in Jerusalem that forced people to move. And that's one of the truths throughout history of the church is that when there is persecution, it actually brings about revival that happens and ministry that happens. And that's true here in this, in this story here. And I loved this statement that it says in the first line, those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. Wherever they went, they preached the word. You know, one of the kind of hallmark or cornerstone scriptures whenever you're talking about evangelism or getting beyond yourself is what we call the Great Commission. And that's in in Matthew chapter 28. And and Jesus says this, it's after he's been crucified, after he rose from the dead. He's meeting with a group of disciples on a mountaintop and he says this, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, 
and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And, and this is an incredible passage. Whenever anybody decides to be a missionary or to go overseas or to do something like this, this is when you're like, yes, that's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to go, right? But this is an interesting, is that the command in this statement is not to go. The only command in this statement is to make disciples. The language actually means this. While you are going, make disciples. Wherever you find yourself, make disciples. In your everyday life, as you are going, make disciples is what that passage really means. And so that's what Philip does. It says wherever he went, he was making disciples. And so he goes to the Samaritans. Samaritans were hated by Jews. They thought they were half-breeds. They thought they were impure and unholy. And yet here Philip who was Jewish, he goes to this Samaritan city and there's an incredible response to the gospel. People are healed. The miracles that Philip is able to do and that others do causes the gospel to be listened to by the people. And then I love this last line in that section. So there was great joy in that city. Now what we want is that what we want to see happen? Because of what the gospel can do, that there would be great joy in our cities, that there would be real joy because people have come to know Jesus, that there would be joy in families and in neighborhoods, in businesses, at schools, because of what the gospel can actually do. And that's what happens here in this Samaritan city. There is great joy, and that's what we would want to see happen on every city across this 210 corridor, that we'd have joy in, in Glendora and Laverne and San Dimas and Claremont, Pomona and Upland and Rancho and everywhere around here, Pomona, Montclair, that there would be joy because of what Jesus is doing in people's lives, that this is what the gospel is supposed to do. And this amazing news of what's happening in the Samaritan city gets back to Jerusalem. And then uh, Peter and John, kind of the pillars of the church, go and visit and they go, this is amazing. This is incredible what's happening here, Philip. This is a wonderful. And some incredible things happen and then we're gonna skip down a little bit to verse 26. And then it says this. In the midst of this incredible revival that's happening in this city, in the midst of these really these pillars of the church coming and seeing it, verse 26 says this. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. All right, I have a map that'll help us kind of understand this a little bit. I don't know how well you'll be able to see it, but... So there's, down there, the big, there's a big lake down there. The Jerusalem is right above that. If you go north a little bit, that's where Samaria is. This road is down south between Jerusalem and Gaza. And basically what this angel is asking Philip to do is leave what's going on in the Samaritan city and go out in the middle of nowhere. There's nothing there. There's a road that goes from Jerusalem to Gaza, but there's nothing in between. That's what you're supposed to do. And so here's the first important thing we have to think about, and that is this, that we have to listen for God's leading. Listen for what God is speaking to you about, about who you might talk to, 
where you might be. The Lord tells Philip, leave this incredible stuff and go to basically where there is nothing. And he does it. Verse 27. So Philip started out. And on his way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship and on his way home was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. The spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Here's why he's going out in the middle of nowhere. Because there is one man who needs to hear his message. One soul matters to God. You leave what's happening in that Samaritan city. I don't care how great it is. I don't care how great you feel. You go out in the middle of nowhere because this man needs to hear what you have to say. Every soul matters to God. Yes, Jesus talked. It's a way of Jesus, right? He talked to thousands at times. But Jesus was about the individual, Right, you think about this. Jesus went to the woman at the well. Jesus met Zacchaeus. Jesus met the man at the pool. Jesus said, leave the 99 to five and the one. And that's what Philip does. He goes out in the middle of the nowhere because this one man is traveling through at that time. And then the spirit tells him at the end there, it says, go to that chariot and stay near it. That little phrase, stay near it, is a really interesting Greek word. It's, it's a really vivid word. It means to be glued to it, to um, either cement yourself. There, there's, and we'll get to this in a little bit here, but the people, uh, there, it's really not clear in the scriptures if the chariot's moving or not. I like to envision that it is moving, maybe not like at the Ben-Hur sort of speed of a chariot, but it's moving along, okay? And he's, he's getting, he sees this, and the Spirit says, go get near it, so he kind of starts running towards it, I think, right? But here's the principle that's super important. Draw near to people, Okay, that's what the Spirit tells him. Get near to that, that chariot, get near to that person, and basically glue yourself to that. So, um, in high school, I uh, played basketball, and I'm going to show you a picture from my yearbook. It's one of my favorite pictures. Here it is. There I am. And I love this. You can't read the caption. I'll read it for you. It says, Dirks puts the game away. <laughs> and I did. <laughs> We beat San Marino. I loved it. We beat him. I scored 21 points that game. It was uh, incredible. But um, here's why I love this picture in my yearbook. And I'm, we're gonna f- there's a guy sitting in the stands. You can see him with his mouth open. Yeah. That's Jeff Cargus. Jeff Cargus was a student at Fuller Seminary, and he was also a volunteer young life leader. He's probably about 24, 25 years old but he came to my games. He got to know me. He drew near to me. He glued himself to me, however you want to think about it. But he got to know me and my friends, and he got to tell us about Jesus. But he drew near to me. One of my favorite verses about evangelism and ministry is 1 Thessalonians 2.8. Paul writes this, we loved you so much that we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well, because you had become so dear to us. 
We loved you so much. Yeah, we give you the gospel, but you know what do we also give you? We give our lives to you as well. And I'm, I still know Jeff Cargus. He's still a friend of mine. What would it look like if we as a church said, you know what, we're going to draw near to people. We're going to draw near to people in relationship. We're gonna, we're gonna sit in peop, the stands and watch the kids of our church, the kids of our neighborhood play their games. We're gonna, we're gonna get next to each other, know one another. We're gonna get to know our neighbors and our coworkers. You know what? I understand that we live in a culture that takes, believes that being isolated is what it's supposed to be all about. I hate the fact that when I'm thinking of calling somebody, I have to think, well, you know what? I don't wanna bother them. You know what? Let's bother some people. Let's start getting to know folks. Let's start calling and texting people and saying, hey, I was thinking about you. Can we get lunch together? How about going on a walk together? Can I come watch your kid's game? Whatever it might be, let's draw near to people. Let's give our lives away to them. Verse 30 Then Philip ran up to the chariot. Again, I imagine he steps onto the kind of the running board and he's going there. And he heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you're reading, Philip asked? How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me? So we invited Philip up to sit with him. And this is one of the things Chris has said the last couple weeks, but that when we get drawn near to people and have relationships, then we look for invitations for deeper and spiritual conversations. They're going to be there. Like they said, people are spiritual. They believe in a God. They want to know God. And we come alongside and we just in friendship and relationship and conversation. We look for those opportunities where somebody says something. I'm really struggling these days. I need your help. I don't know what to do about this situation. My kids are doing this. Where is that opportunity that we can come in and then the conversation takes a little bit of a deeper step to it? The Ethiopian man is reading from Isaiah 53 and 2032, which is this incredible Old Testament passage about the Messiah. And then in verse 34, the eunuch says to Philip, Please tell me who the prophet is talking about, himself or someone else. Then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. The invitation is made. I don't understand what I'm reading. Can you explain this to me? And then Philip begins with that very passage of scripture. You know, um, a lot of you don't know me and my family all that well, so I'm just going to give you a quick overview of who we are. I think I have our Christmas card picture that will show up here in a second. There we are. So uh, there's Nancy and I, and then our son, Matthew. Um, A daughter, Sarah, has the glasses on, and then right in the middle is Julia. And uh, Matthew's 22, Sarah's 24, Julia's 26. Julia actually followed her dad in her profession, and she works for Young Life, which is a ministry to high school and junior high age kids. She was in Asheville, North Carolina. I have a picture of her with some of her junior high girls. She believes, she has said this in, in a newsletter, she believes that junior high kids are the greatest humans on earth, Okay. <laughs> There are a few people that believe that. She's one of them. But she has such a heart for these kids in in Asheville, North Carolina. 
Every Thursday night, she has what's called campaigners, which is like a Bible study, and this is her, and they'll have anywhere from 12 to 17 junior high girls that get together. They get together on this night, and they have fun. You probably wondered why I have this up here. This is why. Their fun is all around Oreos. I, they, I did not know this. There are close to 100 different flavors of Oreo. So part of what they do every Thursday is they have a taste test of a different flavor of Oreo, and then she videotapes it and puts it on her Instagram story and all that stuff. They're up here if anybody wants one later. <laughs> but they talk about Jesus. They talk about what is it like to know Jesus? How do you, as a junior high girl, follow after Jesus? And about six weeks ago, Julia called us and said they'd had one of these campaigner meetings and one of the eighth grade girls came to it and said that she didn't think she believed in God anymore and she wasn't a Christian any longer. And you might imagine in a gathering of junior high girls, there was a lot of tears and hugs and prayers and all that stuff. And, And Julia and I talked about it later on that week and I said this to her and she knew this and she was doing this. I said, don't freak out. Doubt is okay. In fact, doubt's really good for junior high and high school kids to be able to express doubt. It's one of the the things that Fuller Seminary found that if you are in a situation where you can express your doubt, you have a much better chance of continuing on in your faith later on. So I said, don't freak out about it. And I said, just begin with where she's at. Ask her what she does believe. And that's where you start. And that's what she's doing. And that's what we have to do. We should not expect people that are not followers of Jesus to act like they are followers of Jesus. Oftentimes in the church, we say, you know what? If you can get your behavior right, then we'll let you come on in. And then maybe if you can believe like we believe, that's great. And then you can belong. And yet the reality of what we need to be is we need to be people that say, hey, you know what? You belong here no matter what. And along the way here, you can believe and then you can behave, but you belong We're going to start right with where you are at. And then wherever we begin, and what an incredible statement at the end there, we get to speak the good news of Jesus. Isn't that awesome? You know, last week, Chris had a bunch of uh, cones up here that talked about the obstacles that in people coming to faith, and you just have to kind of get through all these obstacles. But every once in a while, you will get past all of those, and you get to a place where somebody wants to hear the good news about Jesus. And what is that good news? That good news is that God so loved the world that he gave his only son who was born of a woman and his name was Jesus. And he lived a sinless life and he went around caring for people and he was kind and he healed and he taught like nobody else had taught before and he taught us how to relate to God our Father in a way that people didn't understand. And he was arrested, and he was tried, and he was crucified, and he died. And a lot of people would look at that and say it was because it was a political and a religious sort of power play that put him onto the cross. But we know that he was on the cross because of my sin and your sin. That he was a sacrifice for our sin, that we might know forgiveness, we might know God's grace. That that's what held him onto the cross. And then three days later, he rose again from the dead. He lives with his father in heaven. And he lives that we might have new life. 
that we might experience the favor and the presence and the goodness of God. That is the good news of Jesus. There should be an applause there, you're right. It's nothing I say, it's, not, it's all there. So it, let me wrap this up here, verse 36. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, look, here's water. Why shouldn't I be baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away, and the eunuch did not see him again, but when on his way rejoicing... Philip, however, appeared at Astos and traveled around preaching the gospel until all the towns, until he reached Caesarea. Hey, there's water. Something had happened in this man's heart. He knew he had been changed. And he said, look, there's some water. I think I need to be baptized. They stop the chariot. They get out of the chariot. They get into the water. And here's what baptism is. It's a visual sign of what's happened on the inside. And Philip takes this man and he puts him into the water and it's a sign that you are dying to yourself and dying to your sins. And then he brings him up and out of the water is a sign of new life and life in Christ. And he's a new man because now he belongs to the family of God. He's a part of what God is doing. That is what has happened here. So for you and I, if we want to be the church and if we want to reach the world with this incredible message, we have to get beyond ourselves. We have to get beyond these four walls. And so you pray, Holy Spirit, bring people across my path, bring people into my mind, remind me of people that I should be talking to. And then you draw near to people. You build relationships. You bother people. Let's get lunch. Let's get coffee. Can we go for a walk? Can I watch your kids play? Whatever it might be, let's get together. And then you look for opportunities as you listen to their stories and you think of how can we talk about Jesus that will help make a difference here. You begin where they are. And what an incredible privilege to tell this good news about Jesus. Jesus who changes people's lives, who changed your life. That's what this is about. Let's get beyond our walls. Let's get beyond being isolated. Let's get beyond ourselves and give ourselves away to others. The worship band can come back up forward. Let me pray for us. Mm. So Lord Jesus, uh, Give us the courage to get beyond ourselves. We have the most amazing message of all time. We have a world that so desperately needs to know this message. And we pray, Lord, that you would give us what we need to get beyond ourselves, to share this message, and to be your body in the world. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.